test, one, two, one, two, test, 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 one, two, one, two. This is Uncle Hokage, your otaku uncle. And welcome to Uncle Hokage's Anime Podcast. Welcome to the show. If this is your first time listening, welcome. You are most welcome. If this is your second or third or fourth or, I guess, 20th time listening, welcome back. This is episode 20 where we're going to be talking about everything Hunter Hunter. That's right. For those of you who are in the know, you know that you do not pronounce the X. So, I want to talk about this manga, this manga, this anime uh, for a million different reasons. But the most primary reason is the fact that this is my absolute favorite manga on the planet, on Earth. And I'm being very precise because I don't know if it's my favorite anime or not. Because the anime category has other shows that are inside the, I guess, the genre. Other shows that are inside the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, The arena. There are some shows that don't have a manga. Or they don't have a manga that's really prominent. There are some shows that spawn from light novels. There's some shows that just kind of come out of thin air, or maybe they're anime movies. So I like to do my list separately. And in my top five manga list, uh, as it stands, uh, it includes certain uh, manga that you've probably known or or heard about, like Gaunt's, like uh, Death Note. But Hunter Hunter stands at the very top of the genre. I think it is the most perfect shonen, anti-shonen anime ever created. So one of the cool things uh, about the podcast that I'm learning is that I can kind of have my Wikipedia pages up and ready to go. Uh, I can kind of have my coffee already brewed, ready to go, and then I can just kind of sit back and we can just ride this out. Uh, I've always been the type of person who overanalyzes, so I'm going to use that to my advantage because there's a lot of things within this podcast, um, not within this podcast, within this series that I want to touch on. Um, My history with manga stems from the late 90s, early 2000s when we kind of only read what was available for purchase. And if you didn't have the money, uh, they didn't have it in libraries yet. So later on, when uh, one of my friends tipped me that she was renting all of her uh, anime and manga, no, no, all of her graphic novels, she read comic books from the library because she's a huge Neil Gaiman fan. And she would, uh, that's how she read all of Sandman. I was like, huh. Then when I started to go to the library and I realized that they started to have a lot of the manga that we're trying to purchase, I was like, huh. So we could save a lot of money that way. And you don't have to go on the illegal methods and getting scanlations or any of that stuff because that's how a lot of us did it in the beginning was when the whole scanlation thing started, it was this wild, wild west and everyone was so excited before we started thinking about the consequences and, oh, that's right, the creators are making this and they need to get paid. So then I started purchasing my manga at half price books, then I went to the library, so forth and so on, and round and round we go. One of the things that I think 
would be the best for uh, Shonen Jump, at least for myself, is I really want there to be a Shonen Jump app that I can subscribe to on put on my iPad that is a simulcast of every weekly release that comes out is translated maybe even if it's a week or two behind and then it gets uploaded into my iPad I'm paying a weekly monthly subscription or whatever I'd pay that for the rest of my life I really would and I know that there are some things that you can get but they always do this thing whenever they bring something over from Japan over to the States is that they try and curate what they feel like the youth, not even what they want, what they feel like the youth should want. So they'll leave certain titles out. They will change aspects of certain titles. They'll bring back old titles like Dragon Ball Z just because they're insanely popular. And so they're showing Dragon Ball Z in the same issue as... um, as uh, what's it called? Uh, cookout. What's what's the name of that? Ma- what's the name of that manga? I cannot believe I'm blanking on that. I, I guess I just don't have it up. The uh, Food Wars. Man, I really need to drink my coffee because I need to wake up. It is about eight fifty four our time here. I've got some uh, work I got to do at about eleven, so I wanted to hop in, get one of these podcasts in for you guys because I want to be doing way more of these, way more. So that's why I have my coffee. That's why I have my nice, bright space. And we're just going to continue and we're going to ride out and all that good stuff. So all that being said, all of that being stated, what exactly do I want to see? I want to see exactly what's aired in Shonen Jump presented to me. Translated and presented. Now, they purposely didn't bring Assassination Classroom to the United States, and that was kind of the only show where I had a little bit of, a little bit of empathy for, understanding why they would try and censor it. Uh, because in that series, the teacher is this like fantastical like um, alien creature, and the kids are tasked by the world government to try to kill the alien. They say, if your students don't kill me, I will blow up the earth and I will devour it. So it's like this weird contract, but he purposely goes to this specific school to do it. But as a result, the kids have these weapons that uh, can only attack his physiology, his alien physique has to be taken out with special bullets, special uh, knives, special just like material. So the students all get this stuff. These things couldn't hurt any human, but they're still shaped like guns. And as a result, because of all of the wild, crazy, like school shooting nonsense that's been going on in the States, they don't want to promote that in any fashion. So they just didn't bring it over here. And I kind of understand, but at the same time, It's not the material that's causing the problems. It's not the games. It's not anything. It's just certain circumstances. And so I don't feel as if uh, banning Assassination Classroom is going to make things any safer, but it makes the decision makers feel like they're doing something. So um, I wish we could avoid all of that and I could just select myself in my iPad and say I'm a parent uh, for my kids. I'm not, but... 
I would select it for my niece, right? Okay, don't read this, read that, so forth and so on. That seems to be the ideal. Um, let me get a little bit closer on the mic. Test, test, test. Just kidding. Um, so, yeah. So, Hunter Hunter getting the immediate, most recent, replayable, beautifully scripted manga is not a challenge because it's popular. It didn't used to be the most popular. It used to fly a little bit under the radar. Um, before I get into any spoiler talk, because I'm going to spoil everything, I'm going to generally spoil things within the series, but when I talk about specific arcs, I will say, okay, I'm talking about this arc. So uh, I'll try to do it progressively. So when you get to an arc you haven't yet read, you can go ahead and tune out. Uh, that way there won't be any issues. I'm not gonna jump around. I'm gonna make, in, in, unless I'm in an arc in the future, I will go backwards, but I will not go forward. Um, I learned about Hunter Hunter in a very weird way. For those of you who don't know, I'm your otaku uncle, your um, uh, anime otaku uh, uncle. So I've been in the game a little bit longer than a lot of y'all. I came into the anime scene in the 90s. I went to college in the early 2000s before I, um, I went to a couple of schools, but uh, before I dropped out of my first school, that's when I really started to kind of like uh, spread my geek and fly. I made a lot of really cool friends whom were really deep into the anime community. One friend in particular, he used to have everybody over in his room because he was part of a fan subgroup. Before simulcast, groups online, just groups of like people, they would download the episodes uh, as they aired in Japan, get a translator, and then put in their own subtitles and upload them for the community, providing that kind of rare, weird value that doesn't really exist uh, as, as quickly as the uh, states could do it, especially for poor college kids who really didn't have any money or anything like that. So as a result, I ended up watching a lot of anime my first couple of years before I got a job, before I started making money and stuff like that. So... Um, he showed me how to do a lot of things. He showed me how to use IRC, which is a uh, program for uh, Windows. IRC is a chat-based program, though you can do uploads as well. So if you learn the couple of the coding, a um, couple of uh, little pieces of code, I should say, you could download uh, different shows. So. It was really interesting. I watched all of Love, Hina because of IRC. And I mean the entire series, plus the OVAs, plus the movies. And I had a really good time with uh, that show. And ironically, I didn't have a roommate at the time. So I could just watch late into the night without worrying about waking anybody up or anything like that. So I remember one day, me, him, uh, another one of our friends and uh, his roommate, we were sitting in his dorm room and we were just finished watching one episode and we were just hanging out. Well, somehow Hunter Hunter came up in conversation. I can't remember exactly 
I can't remember exactly how it came up, but it did. And his roommate said something really interesting that I, I, I don't exa- I can't exactly forget. He said, I really like how they did the Hunter exam. I really liked it. I thought it was so unique. I thought it was super cool. I thought it was something that had never been done before. And he was like, yeah, Hunter Hunter is a cool show. And that was that. I mean, he didn't say, oh my God, you have to watch it. Oh my God, go check it out right now. Here, here's my Hunter's license. Like none of that, none of that ish. He just told me that his roommate just liked the show. And he said, yeah, I agree, it's a really good show. And then we went back to talking about Prince of Tennis or whatever we were watching at the time. That that was interesting for a lot of reasons. Because I think that's the classic undersell on why this show is incredible why this show is one of the greatest to ever do it why it stands the test of time this particular show hunter hunter it's so unique and it's so well crafted and well done that i feel like stating oh yeah the hunter exam was really really cool really unique I feel like that's not giving it its due. And maybe it was a smart thing. Maybe you don't want to oversell it because you don't want people to feel like it is, I don't know, too, like it can't live up to the expectations. But I almost feel like it absolutely can. It's one of those series where you're just watching it and you're just like, what the? It's, all right. So fast forward a little bit and... Uh, Ron, Ron, Naruto is really big. Naruto is super new at the time. The anime is new. The manga has been going on for two years. Um, and I found that out afterwards when uh, we were watching the series as it aired from episode one. Back in the day, you would get on a torrent site and you would download it and I'm not going to get into that whole thing but it was just really popular so I downloaded it by happenstance and then I found out that it was a very popular manga and uh, it had been going on for two years so I was watching Naruto as it aired every weekend all the way through the Zabuza arc 19 episodes that it took them to get through the first Zabuza arc in Naruto and I loved every minute of it but it was long and I craved more so my buddy was like, here, he gave me Naruto, all the manga on a disc, on a disc, <laughs> and I, I watched it in my, uh, in my room back at my apartment. Um, but after that, I was riding high. I needed something else to, to read. So I went to the old famed website, Toriyama's World. I went to Toriyama's World because that was where people used to upload, download, get their scanlation. Before these sites could just host all the different uh, pages and you could just scroll through and stuff like that. Before uh, Shonen Jump got on the bandwagon and allowed you to uh, kind of purchase it through them, there was Toriyama's World. And so you would go on the website and it would list out each manga 
So like Dr. Slump, you would click Dr. Slump and then each individual chapter you would download one at a time. And each chapter was like one megabyte or two megabytes. So it didn't take long, um, but you had to go and click download, 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 download every single time. And so what I would do is I would download every episode as I possibly could or as many as I could, like maybe up to 100 so I could just sit and read and click through one at a time. Each episode had its own folder um, and it was good times. And that's how I read a lot of manga. And this is honestly how I came into Hunter Hunter because, oh, I'm forgetting a, I'm forgetting a very important part. Hold on. Hold on. Before that, before I downloaded the manga, I remember now, I went to one of those sites and I said, let me check out Hunter Hunter because I've heard good things about it. So I went to the Hunter Hunter, uh, I went to one of those torrent sites, uh, anime, I can't even remember what any of them are called. They were all anime specific sites. Anime specific. I'm not talking about like Pirate Bay. I'm talking about like the anime specific torrent websites. Those are what we kind of went to. Now I don't advocate any of that. Now I'm like, you know, um, there's plenty of ways to get your anime. Get yourself a Crunchyroll subscription. Get yourself a subscription to uh, VRV, Hulu, Netflix. There's a million of them. And it's, we're better for it. Funimation, we get everything at our fingertips now. So there's no scrambling. But back in the day, we had to scramble. I don't even know if it was available for purchase over here. Now that I think about it, it was so long ago. Man, your otaku uncle is just sitting here um, riding high on nostalgia. But let me go ahead and let me not get ahead of myself. So somehow or another, I downloaded the first five or so episodes of Hunter Hunter. And I watched it. And the first episode was so strange because in the new version the 2011 version it follows more closely with the manga in the manga in the first issue it starts where this episode ends in 1999 in 99 it stretches out the moment of gone having to overcome the task of the river monster and He's a boy in a village who wants to go and be a hunter. But in order for him to be allowed to go off on this journey, he has to pass his aunt's test, Mito-san. Mito-san tells him that if he can catch the river fish, then he can go take the hunter's license. But she doesn't want him to go because his father is a hunter and his father is a wandering spirit. He's never home. He abandoned gone when he was young and... His father, Gene, J-I-N, isn't that funny? Like, I knew him as Gene, Jen, for years, years and years and years and years, until we got to Greed Island, and then we realized that his name had been misspelled. His name is actually Gene, G-I-N-G. So in the new version, they got the translation right, but in the beginning, they called him Jen, J-I-N, and they just misinterpreted what they were stating. Um... What I loved about it is that it was so weird. It was so mysterious. This whole notion that 
he has to almost prove himself and the fact that they're building up the tension of the river fish for such a long time. They are making it seem like he can't do it. And like everyone in the town is saying he'll never be able to do it. Mito-san, that's so cruel. This is crazy. But then she's like, if he can't do this, he doesn't deserve to leave anyway. Now, here's another cool aspect, which I don't even know that they had. So, I mean, I don't know that they had it in the um, 2011 version. I'll have to go back and watch, but it's so funny because as I do these podcasts, especially for these classics type shows, it makes me want to go back, re-watch a lot of the episodes and get invested in, uh, in all of them. So, Gon has a fishing pole as his weapon. One of the things in um, shonen anime and JRPGs is that when you start to do the same thing over and over and over again, you start to try to think of more and more creative weapons that characters can use. Some of the more creative ones was there's a character in Xenogears who uses a whip. Uh, Ukyo Kwanji in Rama One Half uses a giant spatula. A lot of characters use fans. Um, I want to say Ryoga uses headbands. Like he just spins them really fast. Like, like I mean, like a cloth headband. He just spins it really fast and throws it. Also for Rama One Half. Uh, but after, because after a while, you can only do so many swords. You can only do so many uh, katanas, bows and arrows, axes. Blah 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 blah. You, it all runs together, and then you're like, okay, maybe. Just maybe we can get a little bit more creative. So Gon uses a fishing pole. And there's really no special significance for this fishing pole, except in a couple of scenes later on. But in the beginning, he uses it specifically to catch this fish. Now, what the 1999 version did is that they gave an, a little bit of extra weight to the fishing pole. They said, that's your father. That's his, he, he, he's trying to catch this river fish. But the pole, the fishing pole broke. The line broke. It's not strong enough. The fish is too strong. And so Mito-san is about to burn his father's fishing pole. But like her mom was like, well, if you were going to burn that pole, you would have done it many years ago when Gon was born. Just give it to him. You know it's going to work. You know who he is. You can't hold him back. There's always that one person trying to hold you back because they care about you, but they're still trying to hold you back. And one person saying, you have to let this person fly free. Because that's who they are. And I get it. In this world, unlike in Pokemon, <laughs> at age 11 or 10 or however old Gon is, she's like, he probably doesn't need to go wandering the world fighting bad guys and putting himself in uh, life-threatening situations. But in Pokemon, she's like, all right, Ash, get out the door. Go get him. Get the Pokemon. Let's go. <laughs> it's, it's a different world with Hunter x Hunter. Because they recognize the dangers without making it too um, too scary, too frightening, too uh, sanin. They keep it in that shonen uh, category. So that's basically how I got into it. First episode was really great. The music is amazing. I love the 1999 music for a lot of reasons because it's a music of its genre. It's like watching with uh, watching the clips from an RPG while the score is pulled from one of the great RPGs in the PlayStation era. 
Um, but we'll talk more about that later. So I watched the first like three or four or five episodes on um, from the download site, and then I watched a few more on YouTube uh, because you could they were hard to find at the time. Now you can pretty much watch all of Hunter Hunter 1999 on YouTube, which I highly recommend. If you want to do that cool comparison thing, neither is right or wrong. That's just the one that I grew up with. So that's the one that I leaned towards and watched first. But I also watched the uh, 2011 version as well. Because they made a lot of improvements and they made a lot of upgrades to the series, but they made some changes which I don't prefer, um, but I get why they did it. In the 1999 version, they could kind of take its time and walk its way through the beginning processes of the... Um, the hunter exam, the finding your friends, uh, meeting Leorio and Kurapika, like it was able to really take its time. But in the newer version, they cut a lot of the quote unquote fat. So things happen quicker. They get to the second arc much faster. Um, so let's let's talk about the Hunter exam because I can do the, the best comparisons between 1999 version and 2011 version. This is where the series, this is where I fell in love with the series with the Hunter exam. Um, because of my, my brain, if you guys have ever taken the Myers-Briggs type indicator test, I highly recommend it. Uh, it I find it to be wildly accurate, and I find that those who find it accurate, inaccurate, those who find it inaccurate or say that they just don't like it, are actually speaking as the type that the type states that they, uh, they're actually being, they're actually acting how the indicator says people of their type would act. It makes me laugh. Um, no, it's not, it's not a perfect text, uh, by any means, you know, there are some variations. A lot of times you can pick things that you think you're supposed to pick as opposed to picking um, the correct answers. And it also depends on how well you know yourself at the same time. Know thyself is key. Knowing yourself is paramount. And I think the Myers-Briggs type indicator test is one of the best when it comes to something like that. Uh, go to 16personalities.com. Uh, I would actually implore you to if you haven't already because it only takes the test takes 12 minutes it's like a hundred something questions it's not that long and if you really answer honestly you'll get some really cool information about who you are um, my girl put me onto that test some years back and it blew my mind how well and how accurate it was and how shockingly like perceptive it laid out exactly who and who I was, how I thought, stuff like that. So uh, my type is an INTP, and the INTP is um, notoriously abstract. We like mind games. We're, we're called absent-minded professors because we just absorb tons and tons of information, and we just – we like – we like information for the sake of information as opposed to uh, putting any type of practical application, which is one of the reasons why I think I need to keep doing podcasts because I just, I'm full of, I'm full of just stuff. I'm full of nonsense that I just love and I need to uh, make it a point to share as much of it as possible. Um, but because of that, because of how I am, I like, 
puzzles, not literal puzzles, mental puzzles. I like riddles. I like um, complex patterns. I like stuff like that. And the hunter's exam is basically all of the things that I appreciate in anime form. It's full of riddles. It's full of interesting thinking. Even the fights are puzzles within themselves. Um, Joe Rogan describes jujitsu as com. What is it? As um, complex problem solving while under dire circumstances. And Hunter Hunter feels like in um, a charged up version of that. So. The hunter's exam appeals to my brain type. I would even go so far as to say that uh, Tagashi, the creator of Hunter Hunter, is in the same uh, Myers-Briggs type, but I need to see more information about him before I, before I make that uh, judgment. But based on how much the vibe that I'm getting, I would argue that that is the case. My, my gut tells me that um, creators of certain shows you can really understand who they are by looking at their creation more so than the creator. Because in their creation, they are establishing, in a lot of ways, their ideal world. Um, not a world free of problems, but a world where the ideal version of the, the characteristics that they appreciate and admire are elevated in this world. They are respected, they're revered. The, the, the wandering spirit, the the pools of needless information, the complex puzzles and and, and and pieces that people are putting together, that is what the creator of Hunter Hunter admires. So it makes me think that he shares the same personality type that I do, uh, which is probably why it appeals to me so much. I would state that the creator of One Piece is an ENFP because he's just like, not worried, let's go, let's always laugh, let's be happy, who cares about rules, let's go, 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 go. So that is going to appeal to a different type of brain type. And I could do an actual Myers-Briggs breakdown of a lot of various anime characters, which I might do if I get bored. Um, but having jumped into that Myers-Briggs world for so many years, I can kind of get a general sense of the types of various characters, which is it's easier to type somebody in a show because they have to say consistent to their type in order for them to dif be differentiated from the other characters within the show. It's harder to type a person, which is why you need their own personal brand uh, or personal brain because you don't know exactly what they're thinking because the reason that they're doing something is what you're looking for, not necessarily the action, but the reason behind the action. So that was a fun tangent. But the Hunter exam is one of the coolest things I have ever, ever seen in anime. I'm used to Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, Bleach, One Piece, Shows of the shonen persuasion where if you want it more, you will win. If you are of a brilliant spirit, you will win. If you try harder, you will win. There's some cleverness in shows like Naruto, which is why I like it. But the smartest person in the room doesn't win. Otherwise, Shikamaru would win every single battle. And he should, really. 
That's why he is the general. He just doesn't have the actual pieces that other people have. But in Hunter Hunter, even the strongest people are the smartest people. And that appeals to me. It appeals to me that you can't just force your way through everything in the Hunter Hunter world. And even if you get that uncommon strength, it's because you were clever enough to figure out where strength comes from and how to put it together. Even the strongest characters are the smartest characters. So the Hunter exam is one of the ones where I feel like the 1999 version is better because it's it takes its time. It doesn't cut out some of the scenes that could... Oh, so spoilers for the Hunter exam. Hunter exam spoilers starting now. Um, 1999 version doesn't split... The cook, it splits the cooking scene in half, which I think is important because it lets you sit there going, what? She, Minchi fails everybody in that exam because they figured out what sushi was, but then they couldn't cook it well and she lost her temper. So it just made you question what the point of her exam was. And see, this is what I'm talking about. The point of her exam it wasn't to uh, defeat anything strong and prove your brawn. It was to prove your daring, to prove your ability to challenge the unknown, your quick thinking, your uh, unique ability to um, put pieces together and find the answer based on a couple of little abstract clues. She says, okay, in her cooking challenge, first one, Buta, he wants you to bring him barbecued pork. Um, there's only one pig on this island, and it's this massive giant thing. So you have to be, first of all, strong enough to defeat it. Check one, strength. Then you have to actually cook it and bring it to him. You follow instructions, cool, boom. You do that, you pass. These pigs are gigantic, but you couldn't just defeat them. They're really strong. You had to find out where to strike them in order for them to go out. So you had to go, they had a soft spot on the top of their head. That was the way to do it. Whereas Menchi, she wanted you to make sushi. And this was the funniest thing ever because everyone is like, sushi? What's that? And that's that little cute little nod that, oh yeah, the hunter's world isn't like our world. It is, but it isn't. So they don't know what it is, but she leaves them all the materials to make it on this cooking station. And she says, um, you can get everything you need from the forest, uh, and these are your, are your utensils. So people have to sit there, and they have to say, okay, these are the materials I have. I have a sharp knife. I have a cutting board. I have uh, something to wash rice, so forth and so on. And they have to figure out how to make it. Now, only one person knows what it is, and that's Hanzo. He's a ninja, so he's from that world's version of Japan. But everyone else is like, hmm, we have to kind of figure that out. So they go out. They are like, okay, I think it's rice. I think it's something. And Hanzo brings her the first bit of sushi. He brings her a plate with the rice, with the fish on top. She eats it. And she's like, blech, it's terrible. And then he gets mad and spits out, anyone could make this dish. It's uh, just fish on top of rice with a little vinegar and blah, blah, blah. Everyone finds out that it's fish. 
and they run to make more sushi. So she gets upset. When people start figuring out what sushi is, she gets upset and doesn't pass anyone. She eats everyone's sushi and starts judging them on their cooking ability, even though none of them are chefs. That was going against the grain of the exam. And what's so interesting, and here's why I'm starting with this aspect of it. It's because the show puts in the personalities of its characters and highlights them while maintaining the integrity of the challenges. It maintains the integrity of the riddle puzzle nature. So you're trying to figure out with them or you're hoping they're gonna figure it out, so forth and so on. This show is interesting. Okay, so let's pull back a little bit. Um, one of the exams, it's when they're on their way to get to the exam, and Gon and uh, Kurapika and Leoria are now together. They met at the boat, they had that whole exchange, but they get to this mountain pass, and they're not allowed to pass until they answer this woman's question. This one is weird. So... The woman blocks their path with a bunch of other people in masks. And she says, if you want to get to the hunter's exam, you have to answer my question correctly. Cool. They're thinking it's a riddle. They say an armed robber has your lover and it has your mother. He says, you must choose one of them to live. If you choose your mother, then I'm going to kill uh, your lover. If you choose your lover, I'm going to kill your mother. Pick the right choice, and then you get to go. That's not a riddle. That's just awful, <laughs> as they say on a Family Guy. Um, the riddle is not the riddle, and that's what's so, so crazy about how they did that. Because there is no right answer. A right answer is... One to where the the, uh, the riddle of okay, um, the one uh, son is in a car crash. He gets rushed to the hospital. Uh, his dad was in the car. His dad died in the car crash. Uh, both of them. His dad died, but his son is being rushed to the hospital. He gets to the hospital. Doctor pulls up, and they're like, "Oh, uh, the doctor says I can't operate him on him. That's my son. How is that possible?" Well, the answer to that riddle is because the doctor is his mother. And in our, yeah, in our sexist society, um, people naturally just assume that the doctors were men because back in the day, <coughs> most doctors were. So your brain automatically assumes, wait, that can't be true. He just said his father died in the car trash. How is this person, his father, oh, see, the riddle tricks the brain. It misleads the brain. The riddles are, riddles are magic tricks of the mind. And you're looking at the bright, shiny object, not realizing that the trick is happening right under your nose or behind your ear. So this, on the other hand, is not a riddle. It's this weird, terrible choice thing. It's like a... Um, Mary F. Kill question with three people that you really admire, three people that you really dislike. It is something very strange. But the truth of the, of the riddle, Gone realizes what it is. 
Because one person who kind of sneaks his way into their group, he says, well, she's an old woman. I'm going to say my mother because she's going to want to hear that. He says, oh, uh, my mother I'm going to save because I can always get another lover, but my mother is forever. She lets him pass. and He just walks off. And they're like, what? That's the right answer? What is it? They didn't say that's right. They just said you're free to go. I love the show because it's very precise in its wording. Everything is, you have to pay very close attention because the things that they are saying and the things that they are doing are very specific. So if you're not paying attention, you're not going to be able to comprehend or answer the questions along with the characters the way the characters should. Now, the answer to this was just to be remain silent. There is no true answer. Um, it was to sit and wait because the, 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 the choice is impossible to make. Making the choice is not the point. Gone brings up the fact with when silence is the correct answer that what happens if they really do get into a situation like this and then a criminal is threatening two people that they love, how will they make that decision? And that is the point of that test. The point of that test is the simple fact that when you become a true hunter, you have to deal with impossible to answer questions and you have to find out how can you save them both. And that's the point. Hunters aren't just ordinary people. They're impressing upon us from the get-go that hunters are special. Hunters are spectacular. They're raising up the profession in a way that, um, the same way that they raise up the profession of ninja. In the Naruto world, if you want to be a ninja, man, you really have to put in the time, effort, energy. But if you want to be a hunter, you better be brilliant. So... The test itself, I just love that each section of the test is so unique. The, the, the one where they're just running and they just have to endlessly run from through this cave for, and I think the time was like two and a half to three hours. Um, the, the instructor says, follow me, and they just have to follow him through this cave. So they're and then he walks crazy fast, so in order to keep up with him, they basically have to run. Um, and then in addition to that, towards the end, they have to run up a f serious flight of stairs. And that's where we get to learn that Tompa, the, the ultimate, ultimate god Tompa, is there. And he's, <laughs> he's going to uh, he's gonna destroy all the newbies. Um, there's that one. There's the one where um, they have to find their way through some mess to make it to the next challenge. There's the cooking one. There is the one where they have to get... Uh, they're, 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 they're tossed. They have to get to the bottom of this trick tower, which I thought was really cool uh, because there are different circumstances and ways to get to the bottom of the tower, but each little section is its own little puzzle. And this is why I like it. It's puzzles. It's riddles. It's cleverness. When they get to the semifinal test, and this is the one where they can actually seriously uh, die, where it's hunter be hunted. They pull another person's number out of a bag, and then they're tasked with getting the other person's number. Everyone is worried 
that they're going to have that Hisoka is going to get their number because he's the most dangerous character in the show. He's the dark magician. He made that one person's arms disappear in the beginning of the cave and everybody is terrified of him. This is where the show elevates again. And so you see, finally, people are able to open up and unleash and actually fight and figure out how to get these numbers. But the people that get the numbers, they get them not just through brute force, except for the super top tier characters. They get them because they're smart. This is where the fishing pole comes back in again. Gon has to get Hisoka's number. He's the strongest character on the show that we know so far. He's incredibly top tier, one of the strongest people around, Hisoka. Now, there's no way that he can beat him in a one-on-one fight. And Gon is smart enough to recognize this, but he says, I don't have to fight him. I don't have to defeat him. I just have to steal his number. So he sets it up a way to where he can steal Hisoka's number, his pen, from his chest with his fishing pole. So he practices, he practices, and then eventually he posts up and he waits for Hisoka to attack somebody. So when he attacks, he's going to then cast his pole out, snatch the number off his chest, and as he's about to wait, Hisoka comes upon Leorio and Karapaka, Gon's friends. And Gon is about to make the decision, I need that number, but I can't help them but I need to help my friends. I can't let them get killed because that's what Hisoka is. He's a killer at heart. But through certain circumstances, he doesn't kill them because he's waiting for them to get stronger. Hisoka is an interesting character, and you might say that he is a trope of the anime villain uh, type. He is the evil, uh, lithe, light-haired villain whom is uncalculably, calculably, he's uncommonly strong, he has light-colored hair, and he is, in a lot of ways, attracted to the main character, physically and, you know, both emotionally, right? That's something that's super common in a lot of anime and in a lot of JRPGs and stuff, that type of vibe. Um, So it's kind of funny how they play off of that in a lot of ways, but... Hisoka is attracted to power, to strength, and he likes to find characters whom are about to become strong or who have uncommon amounts of potential so that they can get very strong and then he can fight them and kill them. That's how he kind of gets off. He wants, he sees that Karapika is willing to really attack him. But then he says, okay, no need to fight. He holds himself back. And then as he lets Leorio and Karapika go, he says, why does unripe fruit always look so delicious? Crazy, right? But that's what he does. He likes those He can see the spark of strength. He can go in and tell when someone is really strong from the jump. And if they're going to be strong, he wants to grow them like a garden. He wants to see them get ripe, get developed, and then he wants to pluck 
and eat them, i.e. kill them. That's who he is. So because he saw the potential in Kurapika and Leorio, he doesn't attack them. Instead, he lets them go. Uh, and then Gon can sit back in his hiding place and wait. Then the next time, Hisika is so worked up, he has to kill. So he just rushes out. And he just zooms. And Gon was worried that he wasn't going to attack somebody else. What if the situation stays the same? But he zooms out and Gon follows behind him. He's like, yeah, no matter what, he's going to kill somebody. And when he finally comes across another hunter in the field, some uh, no-name character, so we know that he's really going to kill him, Gon throws out the uh, fishing pole right at the same, right at the exact moment. The line zooms between the blades of grass. Hisuka knows it right when he grabs his um, name tag. As he kills this person, he notices that his plate is being swiped, snatched away, dragged off into a distance on a fishing line into the hands of this 10-year-old boy. And when he notices it, not only is he shocked, Hisuka's impressed because he already had his eyes on Gon. But then when Gon tries to run away and he's celebrating, Hisuka zooms after him. Uh, no, no, uh, one of the characters hits him with a dart. Gon goes down. Uh, and then Hisuka walks up, kills that guy because that guy has his plate. And he gives the plate back to Gon. And he's just like so impressed. He's like, I can't believe you did that. That's amazing. Did you just like hide your bloodlust with mine? Did you learn that in the forest? You're like an animal. You're like an uncut diamond. You're like, this is crazy. Like he's loving Gon right now. He's just impressed. And he's impressed not because of the strength, but because of the battle instinct and the cleverness. This is what I'm talking about. Hunter, hunter. It, being a hunter means that you have to be the cleverest person in the room. You have to be the cleverest person on the battlefield. That is what I'm talking about. It applauds the brain, whereas reading a lot of stuff in the States does not. Now, it follows a lot of the flow of the typical shonen stuff. So once you get past that that arc, um, I'm going to talk about the fighting tournament arc, which is the third arc. So there's the hunter's exam arc, and then there is the um, uh, the Zold Zoldlek family arc. And let me go to the my wiki to make sure I'm pronouncing the the, the Kilua's uh, name correctly. Um, because I always, I always, I always mispronounce uh, names and stuff like that, and uh, that's kind of my kind of my Achilles heel. I thought I went to a Hunter Wikipedia, Kilowa Zoldle, whatever. I I never have the thing when I need the thing. Anyway, whatever. If I mispronounce it and it bumps you, you know, sorry about that, guys. Um, but you know, them's the breaks. So. I want to talk about the third arc, which is the fighting tournament. So if you don't want to be spoiled on that arc, um, go ahead and tune out. Because I'm not going to go through every single arc. I just want to give you the highlights of why this manga is special to me. Um, and I'm going to try to do it all in one podcast. I don't want to do a part two because that feels like overkill in my opinion. And it feels like the rehash of the series. If I wanted to do that, I could. But... I almost feel like, huh. 
Maybe I should do that. Maybe I'll make this a part one. And then I'll make this the second. See, this is why everything's happening in real time. All right. This is now going to be officially part one. So let's go to the end of the Hunter exam. In the end of the Hunter exam, they have to first do an interview with the chairman, Netero. The chairman says, okay, I want you to tell me somebody whom you definitely would love to fight and somebody whom you don't want to fight. And he sits in front of each of them and he gets to sit and get their personality. And he sits there calmly and they all state, okay, uh, I don't want to fight uh, Hisoka because he's the strongest, but I definitely do want to fight uh, Botaro because he seems like a very strong contender. Cool. Um, there's a cool scene where he sits across from Kilua and he says, okay, Kilua, who do you want to fight? And Kilua throws some answers out and the chairman says, do not lie. Like he knows. Please do not lie. That's one of the things that was interesting. It's because Kilua tells Gon within this hunter's exam that he comes from a family of assassins. He comes from a group of the most dangerous assassins on the planet. When they're on the blimp going to uh, the, I think it's the, I think it's the tower. When they're on their way, he says, uh, so Kilua, what does your family do? And he's like, they're assassins. And Gon's like, oh, all of them? And then Kilua starts laughing. And he's like, what's so funny? He's like, well, it's just funny because you believe me. You're over here and you're saying, um, you didn't ask me really? Like, you just straight up said, yeah. You know, you went with it. And he's like, well that's what you said. You're not lying, right? And Kilo's like, no, no, no. It's just funny because you're not reacting. Gone is so innocent that Kilua is so not innocent that they make a great duo off of each other. They're like the perfect uh, group of friends, friend group, buddy, best friends, you know? The fact that's so fun about them is seeing this dangerous hunter's world through their eyes adds a little bit of levity to a lot of situations. So they meet originally in the, in the first main hunter's exam. Once they get to the cave and we do the whole introduction where Tompa tries to give everybody the laced juice with laxatives. Um, yeah, oh, let me, let me say, I'm not going to go through the, um, to the tower exam yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it sequentially now. Now I've got my, I've got my flow. Okay, so... He gives it to Kilua. He gives it to um, Gon. Gon and Karapika and Leorio, they take one sip, and Gon immediately spits it out and says, oh, I think it's spoiled. So uh, Leorio and uh, Karapika pour theirs out. He could, and, and Tampa had laced it with like the laxative that you can't even taste or sense, but he's realizing that all the rookies are really strong this year. Um, Hanzo doesn't drink the juice because he says, I'm a ninja. And ninjas do not, do not take any uh, food or drink from anyone else but ourselves, even though he was laughing and joking and stuff. Kilua, on the other hand, drank like five juices. And Tampa was like, I can't believe he's drinking so many. I put so much laxative. And then Kilua looks at him and he says, oh, if you're worried about me, don't worry. Poison, it's not a poison that will kill me. I've trained myself. And then we were like, oh, who's this kid? So 
Killua is from a family of assassins. He grew up having to kill when he was very, very young. Um, we got to experience one of the coolest moments, which I'll jump back to here in a second. But when he talks to Netero, Netero says to Kilua, hey, don't, don't lie. I see through your deception. I know that you're a shadow youth, but you cannot lie when it comes to this part of the exam. Tell me honestly who you want to fight against and who you would not. So he says he doesn't want to fight against Gon because um, Gon's his friend, basically. And it's just cool when they hang out. But he does, he does uh, also not want to fight against uh, the, one, um, the one character with all the needles and stuff in his head. He thinks it'll be boring. In addition to that, um, let me rewind a bit. Because there was a moment that I really wanted to talk about. I skipped over it a little bit because in the tower, I feel like that's been rehashed a little bit. You get the sense that there's already um, puzzles within puzzles for this series. You can't just figure out how to get through the entirety of the exam. Each aspect of it is a puzzle unto itself. So when they get to the, the tower and they work their way down, they're in a group of five. Every section has different requirements, and the requirements of their section is they need five people, and they vote yes, no, on which way to go every time they get to a crossroads. So when they get to one section, they have these one-on-one -on -one tournaments with prison inmates. The prison inmates are trying to delay the people from making it down to the floor. So you can wager the amount of time you have. So if you have... 20 hours to get to the bottom of the tower. You can say, okay, I'll wager two hours that I can beat you in this tournament. And if you do, then you get an additional two hours to get to the bottom of it. But if you lose, now you only have 18. And back and forth, back and forth. So each of the characters go through their series. Gon fights the guy who uh, tries to trick him with candles, but he outsmarts him. Uh, Leorio uh, goes against the girl, um, and he wagers tons of hours that she is actually a girl, and then he confirms it. <laughs> and um, let's see, Tompa bows out. Uh, this is what we feel. Oh, but we also see the first moment from Kurapika. So Kurapika has a quirk. Not my hero academia quirk, but he has... There's something about his physiology. He's from the Kurata clan. It's a rare race of people that when they're enraged, their eyes turn red. Now, this clan was wiped out years ago by um, the Genai Ryodan, the Shadow Brigade, also known as the Spider. It's a series of bandits whom all have a spider tattoo on their body. So he's looking to get revenge on these bandits that came and wiped out his entire clan. And I believe he's the last one left. In addition to that, the clan, as they're enraged, their eyes turn red. And when they die in that enraged state, their eyes stay red. So the bandits would pluck their eyeballs out and sell them on the black market. So he wants to also recover the eyeballs of his comrades and let them rest in peace. Now, as he gets in this tournament, one of the criminals pulls off his robe, and he's this giant of a person, probably seven feet tall, super muscular, looks like Frankenstein's monster. And he says that he's going to fight Karapika, and he shows his physique, and Karapika just walks in casually. He says, okay, are we fighting? 
And so he walks in and the guy's like, wait, 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 no weapons. And Kropka's like, okay. Puts his weapons down and goes in the center. Um, this guy is trying to trick them, showing the big muscles, uh, doing crazy things to intimidate you to make the other person give up. He doesn't know who he's dealing with. He doesn't know he's dealing with main characters. He thinks he's dealing with Tompa. Um, so with the first thing he does when the fight starts, they square up, and then he charges forward and punches the ground. It smashes, and rocks and dust spill everywhere. Now, that's his second trump card. He has a metal plate underneath his skin on his fist, grafted to his bones. So he's able to smash the ground, but it hurts, so he can only do that once. So that's supposed to intimidate people again. But then again, he turns and he says, now I'm going to show him my trump card. And on his back is a tattoo of a spider. He says, that's right, I'm a member of the spider. I've killed 19 people up to this point. Look at all these tattoos on my back. There's a tattoo for every person that I've killed. And that was supposed to scare him. And that was supposed to intimidate him. But as soon as he says it, Kurapika comes out of the shadows like a phantom, eyes glowing red, grabs him by the head, and smashes his face in, rendering him basically unconscious. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you a lesson right here. Kurapika says, one, never pretend to be a member of the spider again. The spiders have killed so many people, they don't even remember how many people they've killed, so your tattoos are meaningless. Two, each spider tattoo has a number, indicating which person within the rank is actually within the spider. Three, if I ever catch you again, I will kill you. And then he rocks off. He was so enraged, his eyes glowed red. He was the terror that this guy was not expecting. And then he goes and sits out. That's when he first opens up. So there were some other uh, pieces after that, but I, want to, I wanted to give you that taste of how each of their character moments are enveloped in kind of how they're tackling this uh, tournament uh, puzzle. Because it's not quite the fighting tournament, it's the puzzles of the tournament. So um, the next part that I really wanted to talk about is Kilua. Now, Kilua, within this tournament, he has to face Jones. As soon as he reveals himself, Leorio says, Kilua, go ahead and, and bow out. It's okay. We'll take the exam next year. Just quit. That man is a serial killer. He's insane. He has incredible grip strength, and it shows Jones like squeezing the corner of a wall and ripping it with just his fingertips. He apparently will rip the flesh from people with his fingers. Uh, they tried to catch him once, put him in handcuffs, and as the officer was driving away, Jones reached into the front and just pulled the flesh off of his forearm so that his bones were hanging out, and then he killed him. Jones says that all he wants to do is murder. He just wants to rip flesh. He's a terrifying being. He's the strongest one there. And then Kilua just casually walks up. And he says, okay, old man, how are we fighting? He's like, this isn't a fight. I'm about to tell you what happens. I'm about to rip some flesh. I'm about to kill and feel the blood running down my fingertips. I'm about to once more feel the terror 
that you are going to emit as I pull you apart piece by piece. Kilo says, oh, okay, so basically the, first, the person that dies loses. And he says, he says, get prepared to, and then Kilo dashes forward. As he dashes forward, you just see Jones reaching out with one arm. All of a sudden, a dark spot appears on his shirt, and then it pans back to Kilua, and Kilua is holding a beating heart in his hand. His hands are now corded and veined, and the nails are long like talons, and the heart just beats. And Jones turns back, sees the heart, and Kilua is just smiling back at him while it pulsates. Jones says, gimme, and then Kilua crushes the heart in his bare hands. Freaked, Jones collapses and dies. That was the moment when we were like, oh my God, Kilua is not to be messed with. He's not to be trifled with. Don't F with Kilua. This is what I'm talking about. This series, it, he doesn't just overpower him. He plucks his heart out, squeezes it in his hands, and it bursts. He's strong. That's crazy. And then he says, they said, Kilua, how did you do that? He said, oh, I, nothing special. I just pulled it out. I mean, I had to manipulate my body a little bit, and it shows him, like, flexing his fingers so they get to that, like, crazy claw-like version. And he says, if it had been my father, he wouldn't have even left any blood. But that's apparently an assassination uh, technique. Shadow step, snatch, death. Crazy. Now... Kilua is strong. That's been established. He's been trained to be an assassin since the moment he was born. He's born into a family of elites. He is a high-level human being. That being said, in this tournament that Netero's putting up, he has to fight. So the most important part of the end part of the hunter's exam is each of them have their, their progressive fight, but it starts with Gon. He fights Hanzo, and he, he realizes that the way to win is not... The, the tournament that he establishes is that you're going to fight twice, and you only have to make the other person say that they lose in order to win. That's how you win. So really, it's about either admitting defeat, a fight for honor, or torture, or whatever... And Gon has a stronger strength of will than Hanzo because Hanzo realizes that he can't make him admit defeat ever. Gon would rather die. So he gives the win to Gon, then knocks him out because Gon is like, no, I still want to beat you fair and square. <laughs> but he knocks him out. And so when, we, when Gon wakes up, we don't even see the fight. He has to tell us about it in retrospect. It's crazy. But... Okay, what I wanted to get at is what's important about the fight is that it breaks down how everybody kind of wins. Uh, Kurapika gets the win from Hisoka. Hisoka gets the win from the kid with the bow and arrow. Killua is fighting the guy with the bow and arrow, but then he lets him win, uh, saying, oh, congratulations on your win. I'm hoping the next fight will be better. Then he fights the guy with the needles in his face, and then he realizes that it's his big brother, Ilumi. Ilumi is Kilua's antagonist. He has been manipulating Kilua since he was young. His big brother is probably like 1920. Kilua is 11, and he has been controlling Kilua for years. 
And in this tournament, he uses some mysterious power and he says, Kilua, if you get any closer to me, I will consider that you are my enemy and then I will fight you and you know that I'm more terrifying than you. When he pulls those needles out of his face, his face transforms back, his hair grows long. He is his terrifying older brother. And then Kilua admits defeat. He lost. He's not the hunter. And in fact, when Leorio is fighting Bodoro, Kilua attacks and kills him. And then he leaves. And Gon feels that Kilua was manipulated into attacking him by Ilumi. Even though Ilumi uh, laughed and said, oh, Kilua, I would never attack you. But Gon understands innately that he did something sinister to his new friend. So afterwards, there's a discussion <laughs> at the end of the Hunter exam, there's a discussion. This is what's so cool about this series, all right? They just sit and talk. They sit and talk about what the Hunter's exam really, truly is, right? They break down why they shouldn't win, why they shouldn't be a hunter. Leorio wants to say that he didn't, he wasn't a hunter fair and square. Ponzo said he wants to know what uh, Hisuka told Karapika. Uh, they were all trying to say what that Ilumi did something to Kilua. Gon doesn't care. He walks up the steps, grabs Ilumi by the forearm, lifts him up by the forearm out of his chair and slams him into the ground. And he says, apologize to Kilua. And he, and Ilumi says, why? He's like, I need you to apologize right away. You're going to apologize. I'm going to take you to Kilua, and you're going to apologize. Ilumi slowly reaches his hand out, the same way he did to Kilua. Gon senses something and dashes back. And then the president said, Gon, thanks for joining us. That's exactly what we're discussing. So they're discussing the merits and the debate and debating the whether or not they should have actually won and been um, made hunters. But the decision from the president says it's final. Kilua is not a hunter. That's that. You guys are. Everyone who died, died, and that's the end of it. So um, as they're leaving, Ilumi talks to Hisoka because they're both in that kind of dark, shadowy, assassin world. They're both in that kind of we kill for money world or we kill for sport world. And Ilumi mentions, he looks down at his arm and Hisoka goes, oh, is it broken? He's like, oh yeah. It's completely like squashed flat, literally by just gone squeezing it. Gone was so mad, he broke the guy's arm with just his hand. The underlying strength. Ilumi says, hmm, that kid may become dangerous. Maybe I should kill him. Hisoka says, you cannot kill him because he's under my protection. He's mine. And you don't want me as your enemy, Ilumi. Ilumi says, ah, oh, you're right. Okay, I'll leave him to you. And he walks off. But this is, it, it, it creates this intrigue. So then, okay, they find out what they can do with their now new hunter's license. They finally accomplished it. They've been through all these trials and tribulations. But it's not good because their friend is missing. Kilua has been taken home. He's vanished. He's disappeared. And they just cannot let him go. He is their friend, Gon's first true friend. Since he left Whale Island, it's the first person his age that he's known that he can kind of that can kind of keep up with him. Kilua is a little bit stronger than Gon, 
because he's been training since a baby. Gon's just a wild child. So they're kind of getting there together. But um, he cares so much about his friends that he wants to save him. So that kind of kicks us off into the next arc. And now I'm realizing as I'm talking about Hunter Hunter and the brilliance of it and how much I love it, I want to kind of touch base at least a little bit on multiple arcs. So the Hunter's exam is special. So I think starting off this with just the Hunter exam is cool. I think the next part, I'm just going to talk and see how many episodes it's going to take me to kind of get through it. Um, leading up to, into this, um, Gon has to now, he, Karapika, and Leorio decide that they are going to go and rescue Kilua from his, uh, wherever he is. They all three are hunters, so now they kind of have a little leeway, but they have to go find out where he went. So as it turns out, we find out that Kilua has headed back to his home, the Zoldlek uh, Manor where he grew up, a home of assassins. That is where he has gone, and that is where they are going to have to go to uh, try and uh, save him from the, 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 the tether of his big brother, from Ilumi, from the, the terribleness that he has subjected his younger brother to. That is where we're gonna pick up next time. I am Uncle Hokage, your otaku uncle, and this is the start of the hunter-hunter walkthrough discussion topic. I don't know what this is, but I'm gonna keep talking about hunter-hunter because it's my absolute favorite manga of all time, and I've reread it so many times. I love the manga so much. I love the anime a lot. I can't get enough of it. So I hope that you're enjoying how we're kind of going through it. I hope that if you're doing something that you don't really want to do, if you're at work or if you're riding your bike or if you're just taking a long road trip, that you can throw this on and listen to it. So this is part one, uh, which I think I'm going to title The Hunt Hunter's Exam. Um, and then we'll see which arcs we're going to get into next time. Next time we're going to get into the Rescue Kilo arc, and then we're going to go right into the uh, tournament. Uh, and then hopefully uh, beyond the tournament, we can get into the, the next arc, uh, at least the beginning parts of Yorkshin Shitty. Uh, which they changed to York New, which I don't like that translation because I think it's a little bit on the nose, a little bit silly, but that's okay. It is what it is. In the new version, it's York New. In the old version, they were like, it's like, it's like, um, like a, like a York Shin or whatever. Uh, I think because they didn't want it to sound, uh, to have that weird kind of like as they're saying it, that they changed it. Um, so anyways, I am Uncle Hokage, your otaku uncle. Thank you for listening to part one of the Hunter Hunter uh, discussion talk. We're going to do the full walkthrough um, and uh, cue the music because uh, we're going to be talking about all of Hunter x Hunter, why I love it, all the way up to the current, most recent uh, manga arc. So like, share, subscribe, share this podcast with one other person, uh, do me that favor, and love, peace, and hair grease. I just work ten times an hour Blessed with my skill to devour Using my knowledge to get through the tower I am not strong, I am empowered Everything on earth is a contest 
hidden gems who can hold their breath along. Yes, black kings, monsters that make you go bonkers. I get more stars the more I wander. <laughs>